It's time to open up the hollowed halls of leadership. It's time to figure out what the secrets are to being a successful leader and running a successful organization. It's time for VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Your host is Jeff Smith, an executive coach and business leader who has over two decades of forward-thinking executive leadership as a human resources and operations professional. Now, Jeff and his guest experts are ready to share their tips and studies with you. Now, here is Jeff Smith. Good afternoon and welcome to Illuminating Leadership. This is your VoltCast host, Lee Hubert, sitting in for CEO Jeff Smith, who's on assignment. Actually, we have some congratulations to go out uh, today, and we're so happy that you joined us. Jeff Smith and his co-authors are celebrating the launch of a new book, uh, and we're hoping that uh, you will visit us at uh, VoltageLeadership.com to take a look at that. So it's an exciting time for Jeff and John Hagmeyer. Uh, and the other co-author that talk about aha lessons from uh, unexpe- uh, unanticipated leadership. Um, really, today we're going to be talking about Lincoln Part Two. Um, I'm really happy to have with me again today uh, as my guest, my friend and colleague Steve Rogstad, who is a Lincoln scholar. Um, I'll get to Stevie in just a second. Um, but it's an important topic today, just to do some housekeeping things. If you want to join us, you can. Uh, the number to call us is 866-472-5788. You can reach Jeff Smith at Jeff at Voltage Leadership, or you can reach myself at Lee at Voltage Leadership. Our website is voltageleadership.com. You can like us on Facebook uh, at uh, Voltage, uh, at, uh, uh, Jeff at uh, Facebook at Voltage Leadership, or, or you can uh, connect with us on LinkedIn at Jeff uh, at Jeff at Voltage Leadership uh, Consulting, or at Lee Hubert at Voltage Leadership Consulting, and you can follow Jeff on Twitter at JMU Jeff, and you know the JMU stands for James Madison Dukes. So today again, I'm pleased to have uh, Steve Rogstad with us. Say hello, Stevie. Hi there, Lee. How are you? Doing great. How are things in uh, southeastern Wisconsin today? Well, today uh, it reached a high of 96, so it's been very, very warm and a very welcomed warm. It is a beautiful day here in southwest Virginia as well. Um, we're into the season where it's supposed to be warm. It's summer. It's all good. Um, wanted to share a special topic uh, today that has to do with uh, Abraham Lincoln. We started uh, this conversation a couple of months back when I had Stevie on, and we did lessons uh, for uh, leadership from Lincoln. So if you are interested in that sort of thing, go back to April 25th and take a look at the Voltcast from that date about lessons on leadership from Lincoln. Today, we're going to be talking about letters from Lincoln, and in particular, two letters that are really classics in management practice. And those letters are to General George Meade and to General George Fighting Hooker. So before we get into the content of that, um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our guest. Um, I'm proud to call Stevie my friend and my uh, friend of over 20 years. Stevie is an awesome platform presenter. He's truly a Lincoln scholar. He's uh, sought after by a lot of academics uh, as they write scholarly works about Abraham Lincoln. He's a contributing author, author in his own right, writes their forewords. He's the editor of many Lincoln journals. Um, He's also uh, been recognized over the last 20-something years as an authority by various state governments in Wisconsin and in Illinois for all things Lincoln. So, Stevie, uh, welcome to VoltCast Illuminating Leadership for the second time. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm excited to talk about these two letters because I think they are uh, phenomenal examples of Lincoln as a leader. Well, one of the things that we want to do... uh, is to have uh, a special attention paid to uh, the lessons that are going to come from these two particular works. Um, We're going to have some specific management guidance um, just to set the stage just a little bit for you folks who may or may not be familiar with George Meade and Joe Hooker. Stevie, why don't you just give us a a few uh, sentences about each of those individuals, who they were, why they're important, what role they had in Lincoln's government? Well, these two generals were in a myriad of generals that Lincoln was trying 
to find success with as he prosecuted the Civil War. He had a really tough time the first three years of the war trying to find a general that fit his mindset on fighting the enemy, being prepared, being aggressive, and just went through a series of of generals. And Meade and Hooker are in this rather lengthy line of generals that Lincoln went through. And these Mm -hmm. two particular generals are significant for two different reasons. Meade battled at Gettysburg, and he was very courageous at Gettysburg. He was in charge of the Union Army at Gettysburg and had an opportunity to win the war and failed to follow Lee up when he had the chance to end the war, which would have been two years earlier than when it ended. Joseph Hooker was one of those subordinates that no superior really wants to have because he was one of those backstabbing um, subordinates that managers have in their organization and really took the morale out of the Army and chose Mm -hmm. the... You know, he was able to infuse a lot of unrest in the Union ranks, and he made it a point of making sure his superior... um, looked bad, and just took a lot of confidence out of his superior in the ranks of the Union Army. So both of them were somewhat, I don't want to use the word failure, but they really uh, hampered their abilities to succeed by either a lack of energy or a lack of camaraderie. And in both cases, Lincoln had to really deal with these issues in a very different way than what would be accustomed to the way we would deal with them today. Interesting. Well, I tell you, these are the questions that came to mind for me as we were getting ready to talk about these two individuals today, and they really are excellent case studies. Um, You know, think about this. How do we tap into and apply an individual's strengths and weakness while, to your point, Stevie, navigating their weaknesses? I mean, because we bump into this in leadership and in management every day in our professional lives. Another question is, uh, when you think about it, um, you know, what are the best ways to handle an emotionally upset person? It's probably more diva-ish like General Meade. Um, Another question is, how best to offer constructive criticism without being perceived as somewhat of a persecutor. And, you know, General Lee also had uh, his version of that with some of the folks uh, under his command. And then you just mentioned it, uh, you know, how do you deal with the person who thinks it's all about them? They're a careerist, they're a climber, they're not really a team player, you know, as you mentioned earlier. Um, You know, when they do something great, acknowledge them, and when should we apologize? And then how do you address poor judgment and maintain a solid leadership reputation? So some of these folks are kind of loose cannons, and we're going to drill into all of these questions uh, and, uh, you know, dive into some of these answers. So let's talk uh, a little bit about um, Meade first, because I think he's probably the easier of the two. Um, Give me your sense of some of the management issues that Lincoln experienced with Meade, and, and let's talk about some of the practical takeaways that our listeners can, can learn from that experience. Well, first we have to understand that Meade was heroic during the three-day battle at Gettysburg. But what he failed to do was after the, the Battle of Gettysburg, when Lee had been tremendously wounded, Meade had an opportunity to more or less chase Lee and really put an end to the Confederate Army at that time. And he failed to do that. Um, he weighed, there was rain, there was, there was physical topography issues, and Lee was escaping, and Meade was so lax in pursuing him that, if you can imagine this, uh, the Confederate Army had a chance to build bridges to get them across the river to escape. And, you know, this took days. And so Meade's issue here, and Lincoln's anger with him, is due to the fact that you know you had this golden opportunity to end the war, and for some inexplicable reason, neither you nor the other two generals that failed to get onto the field in time just it didn't do your job. And 
Lincoln made some comments to people, which got back to uh, to Meade, and and Meade evidently threatened to resign. He was very distraught over the fact that Lincoln was angry with him, and he threatened to resign. And that was the the thing that compelled Lincoln to write Meade this letter. He was not a bad soldier. He was he was a very brave soldier. He he fought with distinction. He was a career soldier. But Lincoln put him in command, and at that moment when he could have been like the general that we know today as U.S. Grant, he could have been the U.S. Grant of the moment, but he mm-hmm. failed to act. And Lincoln was just absolutely unwound because of it. You could imagine being in a war for three years, you have a chance to end it, and you have one guy that lets the enemy escape. And so Lincoln writes Meade this letter because Meade is rather upset that Lincoln is upset and threatens to resign. And so the letter is not written in terms of wanting to necessarily scold Meade or prosecute Meade or persecute Meade, but he's trying to explain his feelings, but at the same time not wanting Meade to resign. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, let me grab a hold of that a little bit. We're going to be coming up on a break in a couple of minutes. But that letter to me is a classic. You've seen it, the one that says, I'm you know, distressed immeasurably by it. So I want to find out how Lincoln went about handling Meade's uh, supposed hurt feelings. And you know, be thinking about after the break, you know, some of the things. Remember, I asked a question about how are you dealing with people when they're emotionally upset or you know, they're not exactly in that place where they're, they're being receptive. And you know, how did, uh, be thinking about how uh, Lincoln balanced the feedback to Meade. And for you listeners in the radio audience, I think this is a key point. You know, you've heard different descriptions in management practice, the the sandwich approach, the cookie approach, that kind of thing. This is very much alive and well for Lincoln. And, you know, Meade did have a chance to end the Civil War. And he had the chance to save a lot of lives on both sides, uh, you know, both uh, sides of North and the South. And for whatever reason, he mysteriously do that. Can you imagine if you had a, a person in your command, in your team, in your organization, who for whatever reason is doing good things, meritorious work, they're good soldier, right? However, when it came time for the rubber to meet the road and they have the, the talent and ability to do it, they didn't. So that's kind of mind-blowing stuff. So, Stevie, I want you to be thinking about those kinds of things. Uh, We're going to be coming up on a break in uh, just about 30 seconds or so now. Point I want to make is, you know, how do you handle somebody when they have messed up royally? Uh, You know, how do you get them to still use their talent without getting resentful and shutting down? So that's a tough one. So I'll tell you what, we're getting ready to go to break. We'll see you in two minutes. This is Voltage Illuminating Leadership. This is your co-host, Lee Hubert, sitting in for Jeff Smith. We'll see you in two. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset? Your home. Is it from a reality show on cable TV? A comparison website? Or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling, whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
news, opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Hello and welcome back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. I'm your co-host sitting in for Jeff Smith today, Lee Hubert the Principal Consultant at Voltage Leadership. We're so happy that you could join us today. I'm very pleased to have as our guest today, Mr. Stephen K. Rogstad uh, from Southern Wisconsin, Southeast Wisconsin and Racine, Milwaukee area. Say hello again, Stevie. How you doing? Doing great. And we're, we're having just a really interesting and robust discussion about uh, how Lincoln handled two people in his command. And we were having a good discussion before the break about how he was handling George Meade. And I teed up the question about, you know, what do you do when somebody really blows it? How do you continue to use them and get their talent to come out in the face of that kind of circumstance? So, Steve, what are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, Lincoln is, is a master at handling people. And in, and in the Meade case, what he does is he has heard that Meade um, – because Lincoln is upset, is threatening to resign. And Lincoln does not want that to happen. So when he writes this letter to Meade, he starts it by apologizing to Meade for being possibly um, an author of the slightest pain. Now, you rarely see that. You know, you've got the commander-in-chief who's very angry for seeing an aptitude. And yet Lincoln starts in a very humble position in this letter. He's hearing that Meade might resign. And he says, I quote, I am very, very grateful to you for the magnitude, magnificent success you've given uh, to the cause of the country at Gettysburg. And I am sorry now to be the author of the slightest pain to you. But I was in such distress myself that I could not restrain some expression of it. So he starts apologizing from a, a, real, a rather humble position to his general to put him on ease that he's He's not here to yell at him. So you, you know, he apologizes, he compliments Meade, and then he says basically his, his view of the case. And I won't read that. It's, it's not a long letter, but I won't read it. But he, he explains to Meade his view of this case, his view of what he thought should have happened. And mm-hmm. it's the last paragraph of this letter, of course, that is the most famous in which Lincoln says, Again, my dear General, I do not believe you appreciate the magnitude of the misfortune involved in Lee's escape. He was within your easy grasp, and you have closed up, you, and you could have closed upon him if you would have in connection with our other late successes. And he says, but as it is, the war will be prolonged indefinitely. Mm. And then he says, you know, your golden opportunity is lost, is gone, and I am distressed immeasurably because of it. And then he closes by saying, I beg you will not consider this a prosecution or a persecution of yourself. As you had learned that I was dissatisfied, I have thought it best kindly to tell you why. Now, in today's organizational behavior, as you know, Lee, very often when things go wrong, somebody's head has to be on the chopping block. Somebody is going to be held accountable. Somebody is going to have to pay the price for a perceived failure or a failure or a breakdown or a sale that wasn't made or a customer that was lost. Here, Lincoln is fighting a war in which people are dying. He starts by apologizing to the person who practiced seeding ineptitude, does not want him to resign because he knows he has talent but yet feels he has to explain his case, but does not fire him, nor does he want him to resign. That's very significant. That is. And, well, let's answer the question about, you know, he screwed up royally. How did he continue to use him? Well, you know, you continue to use him until you find another person that you believe is going to be more aggressive and possibly more solid. 
So even after these generals came and went as the head of the Army of the Potomac, which was the largest army fighting for the North in the Civil War, once they were relieved command of the largest army, then they were put into positions of subordinate generals again. So they never were, like, fired from the army or discontinued military service. They just had lesser roles. Well, that's interesting. So he apologized for causing Meade's hurt feelings. You know, he did some of the balance feedback by complimenting his service at Gettysburg. Um, and he was anticipating this. Remember, Lincoln didn't hear this directly from anybody. This was all a bunch of hearsay, right? Well, yes. You know, we have to understand this is, uh, you know, long before the days of Twitter. There were no tweets about this. There were no Facebook pages about this. There were no emails about this. I mean, this is at a time when Lincoln really had to have his people, uh, who were his eyes and ears, glean information or hear things and bring those pieces of information back to him. And he must mm-hmm. have heard through several people that Meade was upset enough to contemplate resigning, which hurt Lincoln's feelings because he knew he was a very talented soldier. But on the so, other so hand... So, Stevie, let me ask you, why didn't he just go ahead and fire Meade? Well, then you have to think, okay, you know what you have, right? If you're at an organization, you know what you have, and now you're going to go and possibly promote somebody else who's untested in battle, and yet you're hoping the success is going to be better than what you just experienced. So do you retain a known commodity, or do you go with yet another unknown commodity? And in Lincoln's case, it certainly seems to be the case that he says, I know what I have in me. If we can shore him up, if we can rebuild his confidence, if I can somehow compel him to do the right thing, which is, of course, be very aggressive and go after the Confederate Army, then at least, you know, I think I'm in a better position than firing Meade or demoting Meade and then saying, well, now who do we have in the ranks that we can promote? And, so let's, and that let's seemingly move, is Lincoln's Let's move this form. into the management realm. So let's go behind the manager's closed door with a person like Meade. Um, you know, what would we say to Meade opening up the dialogue and what actually did uh, Lincoln say to Meade and say, you know, look, you blew it, your opportunity's gone, I sent you the letter. Um, you know, and by the way, did he send that letter to Meade? Or well, here's the secret. Once- this is the great Lincoln secret of the letter. This letter was never sent to George Meade. It was found in Lincoln's papers after his death, and Meade never received that letter and But here's what evidently the purpose of the letter was. Lincoln needs to vent, and Lincoln was a writer. And so for Lincoln to vent, you know, he says, I have to get this out. As he says in the letter, you know, um, you, you, you learned that I was dissatisfied, and I thought it best kindly to tell you why. Well, Lincoln did tell him why in the letter. He, he was able to vent in writing and put his thoughts and his reasons on paper and seemingly sort what, get it out of his system. But then he evidently decides just sending that letter with the apology, with the compliments, but still calling Need to task might have been too harsh and might have caused Need to resign. And so he pockets the letter. He was able to get his emotions out and yet he retains his general. And I think that there's volumes of managerial lessons to be learned in that. Very okay, often excellent. we want to scream at someone in private. Sometimes we want to scream at them in public. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, we want to write them discipline. We want to call them to task. We want to demote them, transfer them, whatever it is to assuage the, the way we're feeling at any moment in time. Lincoln does not do this. His feelings are very secondary to the greater cause that he, he's engaged in. You know, that's an important point. Let, let me add on to that. And, you know, as we get ready for another break in a few minutes, we'll, uh, we're going to switch on over to Joe Hooker. But at Voltage, we have a concept called uh, we focus on being effective. And for you folks in the radio audience listening, you might be want to jot these initials down. It's F like Frank, O like Oscar, B like boy, and E like elephant. F-O-B-E. And that stands for Focus on being effective. And what I hear you saying, Stevie, is that 
Lincoln focused on um, being effective. It didn't matter what his personal feelings were. He had to find somebody that was the general's general to, you know, prosecute the war, win the war. He'd had his liabilities, somewhat of a, a diva, had to apologize for hurt feelings that he didn't even hear directly. Um, the fact is, Meade had talent, and he needed to continue to use that talent. In other words, he had to focus on being effective rather than being upset. Um, so that's a management lesson that I think everybody uh, in, in the radio audience can take away from this today. So if you get to that place where you have somebody on your team could be a leader, could be subordinate, could be lateral, whomever. When you're in that place where you just want to react, don't. Uh, that's There's wisdom there. Respond, don't react, and focus on being effective. Stevie, we're coming up on a break in a couple of minutes, in two minutes. Here's what I'd like you to be thinking about for after the break. Um, let's talk about Joe Hooker. Um, he's got a colorful story, as you know. I'd like you to share just a little bit about uh, Joe Hooker's story. And let's talk about, um, you know, some of the questions we said at the outset. You know, how do you deal with the person who's a little self-serving? Um, the climber seems to be about me, all that sort of thing. So be thinking about that, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, take a, a little deeper dive into the Joe Hooker. Again, for you folks listening, this is VoltCast, Illuminating Leadership. My name is Lee Hubert. I'm the Principal Consultant at Voltage Leadership. I'm sitting in for Jeff Smith, our CEO, the regular host today. Jeff is attending a book, uh, book launch party with him and his co-authors, and we're just very proud of him and pleased with him. If you know these folks like I do, they're very busy, and it's uh, you know really uh, an accomplishment to find the time and to do what they did and the quality of what they did in, in their authorship. So that's just really excellent stuff. So our hats go off to them, and our, our shout-out goes off to them. So, Stevie, be thinking about uh, Joe Hooker and... We're going to drill down on Joe Hooker uh, and his persona right after the break coming up uh, in just a a couple of seconds. So we'll see you in two uh, and uh, we'll talk about Joe Hooker. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with host Thomas Rosenberg. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as Thomas speaks with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Hello and welcome back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. This is your 
uh, special host today, uh, Lee Hubert, the principal consultant at Voltage Leadership, sitting in for our CEO, Jeff Smith, uh, who's on assignment at his book launch with uh, John Hagmeyer in uh, we're just so proud of them and, we're, uh, and what they're doing. Um, I've got with me as my special guest today, my friend and colleague, Steve Rockstad uh, from Racine, Wisconsin, August Lincoln Scholar, fabulous platform presenter. And I just wanted to make sure that people understood that. You know, some, there are sometimes uh, Steve and I do Lincoln uh, leadership uh events. Uh, sometimes we're called into off-sites to facilitate lessons uh, for leadership from Lincoln. Sometimes it's in Milwaukee, Chicago area. Sometimes it's in the Southeast USA. If you're interested at all in this topic and want to have a deeper dive into how to implement and use the lessons uh, that Lincoln uh, employed uh, for in your organization, don't be shy. Give us a shout. Reach out to me at Lee at VoltageLeadership.com, uh, or you can call our office in Virginia at area 540-798-1963. Or if you want to get in touch with Steve Rockstad directly, Stevie, what's what's the what's the phone number for those folks to get a hold of you? They can reach me at area code 262-412-2511 or at my uh, email address, which is simply... Stephen Rogsted at yahoo.com. That's S T E V E N R as in Robert O G S T A D at yahoo.com. Okay, excellent. Well, before the break, you know, we were transitioning on our discussion about how we take uh, the letters from Lincoln and the principles for leaders inside those letters and how they apply to the people in their management practice. And we were transitioning to the discussion over to, I'll call him Fighting Joe Hooker. Stevie, tell us just a little bit about Joe Hooker's uh, colorful background. Well, Joe Hooker was, again, a career military man, Um, was one of those people who uh, had great confidence in himself. And uh, when he looked around him, he saw people passing him up in the organization and not being and himself not being selected for top positions. Uh, of course, with his name, um, because he was somewhat of a dandy, somewhat good-looking and very charismatic in his own way, um, somewhat self-centered, um, the ladies of the evening were very often found following his army. And so um, today when we refer to the term hookers, it actually has its origin in the women who followed the Union Army under Joe Hooker's command. And so he uh, he actually has that particular little piece of history also attached to him. But he finally um, worked under Joseph Burnside, who was uh, a general during the, the early part of the Civil War. And Burnside did not do remarkably well, but Hooker did not help his superior at all. He he tried to uh, infuse his army with a loss of confidence in his superior, uh, made himself look better than he was, uh, always thought he could do a much better job than his superior, and he really brought the average morale of the Union Army down. And so Burnside, when he finally was relieved of command, left with a rather poor uh, degree of confidence by in his troops, and that was in no small part due to Joseph Hooker. So let me understand this. What you were saying is that Hooker intentionally went out of his way to usurp the authority and the reputations of other people uh, in his organization. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you, and you You can just imagine today, and we have them in organizations today, we have those people who are climbing the corporate ladder, wanting to get ahead, craving distinction, um, maybe regretting or perhaps harboring ill feelings that they did not receive the promotion that they thought they should have in the face of other people who maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, they thought was not as qualified or didn't have as much success. And this is Joseph Hooker. This is the, the unhappy subordinate who decides now that I will just go in and say whatever I want to say to bring my superior down and make him look bad. Amazing. Just amazing. And when you think about, uh, 
you know, to have that kind of difficult person on uh, your team. I mean, so let me understand how uh, Lincoln dealt with this person. So, you know, how did Lincoln deal with this person who's kind of, you know, all about me, I'm going to drag people around me down uh, uh, to, you know, elevate myself? I mean, how did he deal with this? Well, Lincoln promoted him. You know, he he uh, realized. Wait, wait, wait. Even he, pro- he promoted. He promoted he him. He promotes. He promotes Hooker to the head of the Union Army after relieving Burnside of command. But in doing that, Lincoln also realizes again, as he did with um, Meade, that Hooker is a very, very capable general. He's a very brave soldier. He was his nickname was Fighting Joe, um, and and in Lincoln is looking at him like okay, you know here's another unknown commodity. I, I had to relieve Burnside of command because of these losses that he experienced, but I, I'm putting Hooker in at the head. Even after he he did all of this unfortunate work in taking the morale out of the army, and Lincoln promotes him, but in promoting him. Lincoln writes him this letter, which Lincoln, in this case, sent to Hooker upon giving him the command of the Union Army. Wow. Well, you know, let's bring this into the workplace again. I can think of examples of people where, remember earlier before the break, we were talking about one of the principles called focus on being effective. And you can modify that to, you know, focus on dealing with jerks sometimes. I mean, it's just a fact of life, I think. I mean, and I, and I don't even like saying that. But, you know, statistically, when you look at the workplace, you look at managerial issues, you are going to find maybe 10 to 20 percent of people that there's nothing that you're going to do that's going to get inside their psyche. And, and are they teachable, coachable, all that kind of thing. So let's look at let's drill on Hooker just a little bit. So. You know, Lincoln had to deal with this tough customer, and you know he's a he's a climber. So, you know, ambition sometimes causes poor judgment. And you know, if you go out there and malign somebody else, it may be good for a season. It may be good for the short term. It may be a, a feel good, but in the long term, especially for your upward mobility. That's what we would call a limiting behavior. So what, what are your thoughts about that as it, as it applies to Hooker? Well, he certainly, he certainly believed that, you know, everything that we now know about Hooker, Lincoln knew. But again, Lincoln says, I'm willing to put a man, even with an ego, even with some unfortunate habits at the head of the Army, if he will bring us the victories we need. You know, in the case of George McClellan, the very first general Lincoln worked with, he would say, I will hold McClellan's hat if he brings us victories. Now, that's really putting yourself in a humble position. Here with Hooker, is, it's almost like he's um, writing a letter to a son. And I should say that Lincoln hand-delivered this letter to Hooker. He put it in Hooker's hand, and in, and in writing this letter... He starts out by saying, I placed you at the head of the Army of the Potomac. Of course, I have done this upon what appear to me to be sufficient reasons, and yet I think it best for you to know that there are some things in regard to which I am not quite satisfied with you. And he proceeds to compliment Hooker like he did need, tells him he's a very brave and skillful soldier, which he, of course, Lincoln likes. He says, I, I believe you do not mix politics with your profession in which you are right. You have confidence in yourself, which is valuable, if not an indispensable quality. And you are ambitious with, with, with within reasonable bounds does good rather than, you know, harm. But then he talks about this criticism that, that Hooker did with Burnside. And he says, you've taken counsel of your ambition and you thwarted him as much as you could, which was a great wrong to the country. And you did it to a a meritorious and honorable brother officer. And, and he says, I've heard things that, in such a way to believe it, that, you know, that in saying that the Army and the government needed a dictator. You imagine this saying that, you know, I just believe the Army doesn't need Abraham Lincoln as president with this country <laughs> needs as a dictator. And he goes and he says that. And he goes, of course, it was not for this that you said, but in spite of it that I've given you the command. 
Only those generals who gain successes can set up dictators. But what I now ask of you is military success, and I will risk the dictatorship. That is just astounding when you think about it. This is like the at never Lincoln crowd or something to that effect. So just to let that sink in. So I'm willing to risk the dictatorship, right? Think about that. And if you, bring you deliver victory. victory, just stunning. Well, I can see we're going to get ready for a break in another uh, couple of minutes. Um, what I'd like us to be thinking about as we get ready to wrap up today's vote is some of the tips and takeaways we're going to uh, delineate for people that they can apply in their management practice. Um, let's go back to uh, General Meade uh, to start the wrap of today's show, and then we'll finish with uh, Joe Hooker and just uh, uh, one other comment about uh, Hooker. I know that when Lincoln talked about, you know, he cautioned Hooker to say that the spirit that he infused into his army uh, will now work against him, meaning that this is the gossip person, the, the negative Nellie, the Debbie Downer criticism, it's loss of confidence. If, if you're running around spreading doom and gloom and it's all about me, people see through that in a heartbeat. If you've ever been in a circumstance where you've had a leader or a manager, or maybe at some point you've actually been that manager, where it's all about me, let me tell you, when those 360s come back, they're not too flattering. These folks are going to be going, yeah, you sound good, you think you have it going on, but let me tell you, reporting to you and getting our work done together, maybe not so much. It would be interesting now to bring these guys in a time machine and do a 360 on Lincoln with his cabinet to see what they would have said, like, wow, and to see what they would have done, what uh, the feedback would have been for uh, Joe Hooker and uh, General Meade. And I would have loved to be the person the debriefing over that 360. So we're going to come up on a break. We're going to get ready to wrap today's show. Again, this is Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. This is Principal Consultant Lee Hubert and my special guest today, Stevie Rogstad. We'll see you all again in two minutes. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Hello and welcome back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. This is Principal Consultant Lee Hubert sitting in for Jeff Smith today. And we're, we've been having just a great robust discussion about letters from Lincoln and two people in particular in Lincoln's administration, uh, Generals George Meade and Fighting Joe Hooker. And just so happy and pleased to have my uh, friend and colleague, uh, Steve Rogstad with us, who really is an excellent Lincoln uh, scholar and presenter. So 
Again, if you're interested in this sort of thing, reach out to us because uh, we'd like to connect with you over this type of topic. And it, the places we do it, especially senior retreats and executive retreats, people really do resonate with this content. So as we wrap up today's uh, show, Steve, what I'd like to focus on are some practical tips and takeaways. Let's summarize some of the ways that Lincoln dealt with these two individuals. First thing I'd like to do is to start with General Meade. Um, With General Meade, remember, Lincoln started writing his famous letters to him after he heard Meade wanted to resign due to some perceived uh, uh, perceptions, a statement of Lincoln's dissatisfaction with him. So what did Lincoln do? He apologized to Meade. He was proactive. Translation and takeaway, he knew his person. He was a good soldier, but he knew his personality. In other words, he knew his people. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I think he absolutely knew Meade. He also knew he needed needed Meade. And so he needs to somewhat pacify Meade, even though he's, he's dissatisfied with it. You know, we talked in the letter, he talks about the fact that, you know, I... He was writing to him because, you know, he had heard that Lincoln was dissatisfied and he thought it best to write him a letter and tell him why. But, you know, early on in the letter, and of course we talked about the fact that ultimately he did not send the letter. But another okay, part, cool. of, well, another part of this letter, um, Lincoln says, you know, I heard all of these evidences as, as to why, called him evidences, I heard all of these evidences as to why you did not pursue Lee. You know, what your reasons were, and I heard them. I'm not going to tell you why or what these evidences are that I heard. He says, I will tell you sometime when we both shall feel better. He knows Meet is upset with him and and kind of hurt, and Lincoln knows he's still upset with Meade. There's no reason to hash it out now when the emotionalism is high, and they're both probably going to say things or do things that they will ultimately regret. So Lincoln says, we'll talk about this in detail later when we both feel better. Excellent. And I think that's a strong takeaway. Yeah, let me let me add on to that point, and I want to move over to Hooker because we, we need to cover a, a fair amount of things as we wrap today. So the takeaway here is don't deal with people when they're emotionally upset because, as you said, you know, do it when we both feel better. And, you know, when he criticizes Meade, he didn't want to be perceived as, be, as being the persecutor or a prosecutor, and nor did he ask for Meade's head on a stick. I mean, you know, he knew that Meade really screwed up. He blew it. But Lincoln was focusing on being effective and continued to use him because he knew he had some talent. Let's go on over to Joe Hooker and some of the key tips and takeaways that that we want to summarize for people today about how uh, he dealt with Hooker. Um, Well, in the Hooker case, at the end of this letter, he says to Hooker, you know, in a spirit of advice and just a statement, he says, I now much fear that the spirit which you have aided to infuse in the army of criticizing their commander and withholding confidence from him will now turn upon you. I shall Uh, assist you as far as I can to put it down. Neither you nor Napoleon, if he were alive again, could do any good out of, to get any good out of an army while such a spirit prevails in it. And he says, and now beware of rashness, beware of rashness, but with energy and sleepless vigilance, go forward and give us victory. So he's advising him. And I want to say in this case, he hand delivers this letter to Hooker, and Hooker, after Lincoln's death, now Hooker was put in command of some of Lincoln's funerals after Lincoln died. So he's still, he's still in the, in the, in the, in the, he's a high profile guy. He only had his command for five months, but later on, Hooker said about this letter, he told a journalist, quote, that is just such a letter as a father might write to his son. It is a beautiful letter, and although I think he was harder on me than I deserved, I will say that I love the man who wrote it. I tell you, I was thinking exactly the same thing. Um, we've got a couple more minutes to do some summaries, and I'm going to you know, wrap up today's show. Another uh, of the takeaways that we want to tell people to summarize is that he actually compliments uh, Hooker. I mean, he understands. I mean, you know, that that uh, uh, guidance he gave to him about, you know, the spirit he infused is, 
you know, it's analogous to the culture or, or of an organization. If you're a leader and you're out there backstabbing people and you're spreading negative uh, negativism, negative energy, and then watch what happens to you. Lincoln is absolutely right in my humble estimation that this will come back to bite you. So now Hooker has to overcome and correct the problem that he caused and Lincoln still wants to use him because he has some talent. Very similar to his approach uh, to Meade, except Meade was a little bit more fragile. So the the things that Hooker said in public about advocating uh, for uh, dictatorship, I mean, just think about that. Give me your thoughts on that in terms of a summary comment, and then, uh, then I'll get ready to wrap today's show. Well, you can just imagine, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting a civil war over the idea of democracy, and you've got a general who's fighting for, you know, the president of the United States and says what we need is a dictator. Now, I don't know too many commanders-in-chief or presidents of the United States in contemporary history that would have said, well, you know, I can overlook that, or I'll just ignore that, or, you know, or you're going to lose your command over that. Um, but, you know, Lincoln is not like that. He's not like that. Again, you can insult Lincoln. You can disagree with Lincoln. You can anger Lincoln. You know, it's almost as though Lincoln realizes, hey, I'm dealing with human personalities, and whether or not they like me, whether or not they think I should be president, whether or not they agree with my policies, you know, as long as they're doing their job on the battlefield and giving us victories, like he said with McClellan, I'll hold their hat if they give us military success. Wow, excellent. stunning. That is a stunning piece of managerial leadership. Think about that. Well, Stevie, this has been great. I've just so enjoyed uh, being with you again today. You know, we've had a little background noise for you folks listening. Uh, we had a really a big electrical storm go by the radio studio today. So if you hear that, that that's what some of that is. Um, again, uh, Stevie, thanks for being here. We'll catch up to you soon. Um, again, Thank this you for been, having me. Yes, sir. My pleasure. And again, this has been Voltcast illuminating leadership. Um, We're so glad that you joined us again today. We do get feedback from all over the United States and other countries, UAE, Pakistan, UK, you name it, uh, people are chiming in. And if you have an idea or a guest or a content topic you would like us to address, because we do honor those, uh, please let us know. Best way to get in touch with us is either Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com or you can reach me at Lee at VoltageLeadership.com or you can visit us at our website at www.VoltageLeadership.com or get in touch with Jeff uh, on Facebook at Voltage Leadership or Jeff at JMU Jeff. We've so enjoyed having you with us today. Uh, Next week uh, on the uh, 27th, I believe, we're going to have Gloria Witt, my colleague from Lynchburg, Virginia, and we're going to be talking about uh, diversity and inclusion. So that will be an important day and a great vocast. Until then, we want you all to have a great day and make it a great week. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to Voltcast, Illuminating Leadership. Please join your host, Jeff Smith, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll discuss another engaging topic next week.